Welcome to the Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, a network for early career researchers. Hello, I'm Adam Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to the Dementia Researcher podcast. It's a sunny September afternoon, and today I'm delighted to be at the University of Bristol getting out of the office and the studio for once in a while. Um, I've been very kindly invited to join uh, the first meeting of a group of researchers who've come together to discuss collaborations around uh, dementia qualitative research. I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Sarah Griffiths uh, from the University of Plymouth and Dr. Jemima Dooley from the University of Bristol. Uh, Sarah and Jemima, along with regular uh, contributor to the Dementia Researcher website, Anna Volkmer, are the instigators of the meeting uh, instigators is we're okay. happy with, yeah we're happy yeah. <laughs> I should have this is the second time I've just done this intro so I've already tried <laughs> repeating that same that same question um uh, instigators organizers anyway um I should also uh, thank you for allowing me to join you today um I've sat in along the meeting to to hear what was going on and to understand uh, why this group came about um and uh, so I should add that, that we're recording this straight off the back of the meeting. So everything's very fresh if everybody's a little bit, hopefully not too tired to, <laughs> to talk about uh, what we're doing. We're going to release this podcast uh, out of sync with the normal schedule. So we're going to release this podcast uh, next week. Today's the 20th of September. So we're releasing this straight afterwards because I, I know we're going to talk about this some more. But there was quite a lot of interest uh, when you uh, told people that you were going to be having this meeting on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, so we were really keen to get this out quickly so that those that were unable to attend today could could hear what it was all about and um, we could share a little bit more for those that couldn't make it. Um, so maybe we could start with some introduction, introductions, <laughs> introductions. Uh, Sarah, maybe you could go first if you could uh, introduce yourself, tell us a bit more about you and your work. Yeah, so um, I have a background in speech and language therapy, um, similar to Anna Volkmer, who's also involved in this. Um, And I'm also sort of currently um, working on a research project called DPACT, or Dementia Pact. Um, And we're, as part of um, this study, which is a kind of five-year NIHR-funded study, looking at developing and evaluating the role of dementia support workers based in primary care. Um, It's a mixed method study and um, there's going to be a strong qualitative element of the research. So there's, we're going to be interviewing people with dementia and also doing some conversation analysis, um, looking at how people with dementia, support workers, carers all interact um, together. Um, So I've started to be really interested in um, methods of engaging and involving people with dementia in qualitative research, where essentially we want to understand their um, uh, perceptions of things, their perspective, their views, opinions, um, and how best to kind of go about that when traditionally research in in this area is a kind of very kind of verbally based, um, getting people to to talk to us. So it's about looking at the challenges of um, involving people who have communication and cognitive difficulties. We've actually picked up quite a bit of a 
we've released a couple of podcasts before with Anna and, and others. Uh, I recorded one in Sydney early this year with some speech and language therapists, and they're always super popular. We've picked up a bit of a following amongst <laughs> among speech and language therapists, and Anna's always trying to convince me that there aren't many, but I'm convinced that there must be loads of speech and language therapy academics, because they're, they're some of our most listened to podcasts, uh, the ones with the, that particular. So are you also still a jobbing clinician? Do you still see patients in, in, in the NHS? Or? Not at the moment, no. So I've got a background in speech and language therapy um, and I was um, clinically active for a long time um, and then I went into um, lecturing on a speech and language therapy degree course and now I'm purely focusing on research. Full time. So it's kind of evolved in that way. And uh, Jemima? Yes, hello. Um, Yeah, so I am a researcher here at Bristol University in the Centre for Academic Primary Care. Um, I am a conversation analyst and a qualitative researcher by background. Wait, so is there a difference? Is a conversational analyst different to a speech and language therapist? (laughs) Yes, they're very different. So I'm not clinically trained. Conversation analysis is a method to explore communication. Um, which is very popular among speech and language therapists, I would say. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because Apologies it's a very... Show my ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. But it's, um, a, it's a way of looking... It looks at communication as it's actually happening. So it sort of usually um, uses video recordings or audio recordings and analyses, um, yeah, a communication turn by turn to, to see sort of how one part of a conversation might affect the next part and, and as it keeps going on. So I think it appeals to speech and language therapists because... That's the way they think anyway, you know, how did the question I word, how did I, the way I worded this question, how did that affect what the answer was? And that's it. And that, that sounds like it offers lots of different fields of, of opportunity as well. Is, haven't I seen that happening crime as well? Don't the, yeah. they, the criminals are, or when they interview potential criminals, they employ people like you to do that as well. <laughs> There's lots of people working in lots of different fields, in, in mediation as well, um, and in... Um, counselling, marriage uh, counselling. Sales, there's people working... <laughs> yeah, exactly, in, in sales, there's people working on how to be, you know, less fake and So in you are on the light side as opposed to the dark, <laughs> the dark well, side of this. <laughs> no, I think it's all, all the light side. You've got a sideline going in, in sales as well. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Yeah, all my research is in, in health... Uh, Things. But and you have no problems getting your partner to do everything you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish it worked like that. It's more in arguments. I'm like, you said that because I said this, and he doesn't and you, appreciate that. You can remember everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and my research is in. So my PhD was in how doctors uh, deliver dementia diagnoses, um, and I am now doing a fellowship that's exploring how decisions are made in out of hours primary care, so around urgent care decisions. That, that's fascinating. Um, and your PhD looking at that, are there any outputs? Because that's, that's really interesting. I know quite a lot of our listeners are kind of clinical focused. Yeah. Is, is there any outputs of that that people should go have a look at? We've done so. There's a paper in British Journal of Psycho- uh, Psychiatry um, and we've done um, sort of work with um, so the Royal College of Psychiatry workshops and things. Um, we're just a, a, a funding application in to um, try and make it into a more sort of broader guidance and, and put it out there um, more because it is yeah, it's a complex area. It's a difficult thing to do. It's challenging for doctors and it's obviously very difficult for the people with dementia and, and their carers as well. Well, um, yeah, not just in dementia, but of course in, 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 in everything. In yeah. everything. Um, Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Um, thank you again for, as I say, for inviting me along. I know I kind of coming. invited myself, <laughs> but it, I'm really grateful. And they did a good lunch. So, um, 
<laughs> it's always good to have an excuse to come to Bristol. Um, we've avoided the environmental protests today. Yeah, yeah, no uh, time. We we had a conversation today about naked bike rides as well. That's what we're up to later. Yeah. We've avoided uh, that <laughs> so far. We weren't trying to avoid the climate. Well, no, I yeah, I just don't say that. Yeah, just the noise. Just the noise. <laughs> Just the noise while recording, yeah. So tell me, how, uh, Sarah, maybe come to you first of all, how did this group come about? Why did you think it was needed? Um, It all kind of sprang from the fact that we'd all written blogs um, exploring the challenges around involving people with dementia and qualitative research. And I think all three of us have got experience in what you've just been talking about, conversation analysis. So the three of you found found each other having kind of put put things out there into into the internet and social media through your publications. You found each other. Yeah. Well, I was a... aware of Anna already, um, but coming from such a similar background. So we'd kind of both kind of moved in the same research worlds. And I was aware of Jemima, but hadn't met her. Mm. Um, so I think the fact that we all kind of wrote blogs on a similar topic and then got in touch with each other afterwards sparked a conversation um and the fact that we've we've all got this kind of background in conversation analysis but we've all got also got um experience of other qualitative methods like interviewing and running focus groups and and so on which take slightly different perspectives um we thought it would we had a chat and then we thought it would be re- really helpful to involve other people and perhaps form a special research interest group for people that are interested in this area specifically about how to involve people with dementia themselves in um qualitative research and not just kind of focusing on getting um the viewpoint of carers or, or wider family or, or practitioners i think yeah all of our work that we've um done with people with dementia and when I've worked on projects sort of co-produced with people with dementia and and you know lots of people say that interviews are and focus groups are very uh, sort of scary environments and you know it's it's all on the researchers terms and you ask the questions and and you have to quickly think of an answer and and people with dementia will have very often difficulties with producing language and processing language and and remembering and it's it's a challenge and I and I think we but that doesn't mean that they don't have things that they should be heard in qualitative research and you know so I think we were all sort of that's all the sort of things we were all thinking about weren't we as and you know and I think lots of qualitative researchers will adapt the way that they're working for people with dementia to include them we thought it'd be great to have a kind of a group where we could kind of bounce those ideas off each other and talk about what we're already doing and yeah and try and get some more it's not as yeah. though people aren't kind of writing about this because yes, there's yeah. a lot there's a lot in the literature at the moment about kind of innovative ways um, using sort of creative arts based methods of including people with dementia in research. Um, but what we found really helpful was to try and sort of talk about how we're translating those findings, that guidance in the literature into what we're actually doing and how we're reflecting on whether it works and what the challenges are. And, and this is what's really interesting to me. So we've had quite a few podcasts now over the last 18 months where the um, people have come together and talked about the importance of collaboration. And this idea particularly that people who uh, work in different fields have this opportunity to come together, that there's no you know silver bullet for dementia particularly and i can i can absolutely see how um com- whether that's conversational analysis or and, and communication challenges that 
the the things that you're learning in that research field would be absolutely invaluable to um, I mean, not even just other qualitative researchers. You know, if you're a if you're a clinician delivering a drug trial, trying to understand how you communicate what the symptoms might be, or understand what the feedback people are giving about how they felt while they've been taking that medication, or how they, you know, going back to qualitative, how they their experience of living in a certain way or trying out a, an intervention. This is this is great. I mean, I think. I, I could see a good argument for saying all research studies should have somebody with your background on the trial kind of steering groups because it's but but so so let me just get this right then so you all knew each other through through social media and conferences and through your publications and decided that you thought it would be good to actually have a physical meeting where you talked together about your work um, but you haven't just limited it to people with your own you know your own backgrounds have you mm-hmm. so we, uh, we've had the meeting today has had about 10 people at this today uh, you advertise it through social media and and so tell us more about about why did you think it were needed and why did you broaden it out to others yeah I think so we were just well we we first spoke a few months ago didn't we sort of by email and said oh this would be a great thing to do and it would be really nice to hear more about what you're doing and and we should meet up and and then I think it was only a few weeks ago we thought actually we should try and just broaden this out and try and hear what, about, what everyone's doing and and it was just one tweet and it just got so much traction it's um and so much interest and it was only sort of a couple of weeks ago and it really you know went off and and we managed to just get 10 people just from Twitter um and and they were people who could attend in Bristol on this day you know with two weeks with notice. two weeks notice which is yeah and we had so it was and I think we've really it's really it's got me excited I think that it's really something that people felt there was a, a gap for and and that they they would want to get involved in um, I think it's it. quite exciting as well that um just from the group of people who came today there's such a broad range of interests and background experience of working on very different types of research projects. Um, there was some interest in people who have been re- researching um, communication in care homes. Um, one of the researchers talked about um, the links between hearing loss and dementia and specifically, yeah, techno- use of technology, all sorts. Yeah. And, and and I can see, I'm looking down at the table as there's a, a, a flip chart piece of paper with lots of <laughs> aims and ideas. So I think today's first meeting was very much a bit of a brainstorm, wasn't it? it? Was. Where you kind of talked yeah. about, right, what could the outputs of this group be? Mm-hmm. Um, what what were people's own interests? What did they personally want to get out of this? What, what opportunities were? And the, there's quite a long list here. I mean, you can see how, how this is, you know, got so many opportunities. Why don't you... Um, just go through and tell us a little bit about about um, what sort of things the group wants to be involved in. Should we do half each? <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Go on, Jemima, <laughs> you take that. the left half of the paper, <laughs> Sarah, you take the right. Um, well, I was, think- I was thinking we could start with the innovative methods mm-hmm. stuff, um, because that's something we're all very interested in, um, in terms of thinking of different and creative ways to include people with dementia in research. Um, and not only just in terms of collecting qualitative data on, you know, opinions and preferences, but also in terms of getting consent, um, in terms of, uh, you know, PPI, just way, ways to get people to express their opinions that isn't just a typical focus group or interview. Um, and we had talk, we were talking about um, 
yeah, exploring communication with this. We're talking about how it's different in different stages of dementia. You know, it'll be different in nursing homes compared to people just post-diagnosis. And then we'd really like to think about how you can evaluate these methods and, and things like that. That's something we're interested in. Um, we had, yeah, one of the main, I think, points of this group, as we were talking about before, was sharing and, and um, collaborating and, yeah, sharing things we've... Uh, you know, read, things we've published, um, things we've tried, uh, and what has worked and what hasn't, that sort of thing. So you're going to get a little group going that we talked about WhatsApp a little bit, didn't we, and the potential for websites and forums and other things exactly to to collaborate and and share things with each other. Definitely, and then just anything that we just think about, try and make it sort of easy and clear as possible, ways to just, you know, you can just send something off and everyone can benefit from that. Um, and I think that's quite important because I know that uh, we've talked about this before as well, that uh, since there's been so much dementia research kind of sprung up mm. in the last eight years since the funding's become available and there's been more interest, that there are quite a lot of people working in uh, researchers kind of working quite isolated ways in universities that haven't necessarily got lots of other mm. people working in dementia in their way. And I think... Um, I mean, we'd like to think that dementia researcher websites yeah, helping to kind of yeah. bring people together, but but groups like this uh, as well, which are just self-started, have got yeah. real opportunity to do that. Well, it's sort of subgroups within it, isn't it? Because dementia research is great because um, it's obviously you know we're um, mostly early career researchers or people working on their own in in dementia research. But there's so many different types and so yeah. many different things. So Absolutely. just as a way, and that's why this podcast is great in terms of getting things out there and. Um, yeah, no, it, it's exciting, the idea that we can start to share things more. And um, So opportunities for sharing, what, what else was on the... Um, so the next one we had was to do with including people with dementia um, in terms of, yeah, like a bit with the innovative methods in terms of thinking about every stage of the um, uh, research and co-producing. Um, we spoke a bit about how it's difficult... You know, there might be core people in PPI groups who are sort of, you know, the white middle class educated types of people that might take part and how to, you know, increase that. How to broaden and your how to kind broaden, of reach of the exactly. research you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then just about the sort of time and funding challenges. And, and, and then we had an interesting discussion about, you know, how you could evaluate the therapeutic benefit of taking part in research for people with dementia um, and how, yeah, that might be a way that qualitative research explore that i think that's really good as well because i mean then that some uh, publication like that or or some evidence on that basis would give a really good argument because the end you know i know in my the other part of my job we're always kind of trying to persuade the Mm. nhs services and others to take time out to talk to people about benefits of research participation having some real evidence to point to say you know the these are some of the genuine benefits that people have fed back in a qualitative way rather than just saying oh it's good for you, you'll get access to treatments. I think having that evidence would be really, really useful. So you definitely get it anecdotally. Like, you know, clinicians are like, oh, I was really glad that I could point them to your research project because there's nowhere else to point them after diagnosis or something like that. And, you know, and um, and people have said to us, you know, it's been really great. It's made us get out of the house and things. But just being able to measure that in um, that terms would be really interesting. I agree. Um, I don't know why we're going to split now. Sarah, yeah, well, you can pick up. What were the... I think that might provide a nice link into one of the other themes we thought about, which was well-being. So we talked a bit about kind of the well-being of both people with dementia taking part in research and, and carers and wider family, um, and also kind of well-being of researchers, because often when you're doing qualitative research, you're encouraging people to share sort of quite 
powerful stories with you and sometimes it can unleash um, sort of quite um, emotional um, feelings in both the the participants and the researchers so we felt that maybe that was kind of a, quite a strong focus for our group as well and how we um, deal with that and how we support um, participants and researchers um, in that area um, and then another um, focus um, we had was really around increasing awareness of qualitative research itself because um, we feel that um, there are a lot of people who could potentially take part in research um, that might really not understand what qualitative research is and might have much more understanding and experience of um, traditional trials, um, drug trials and other kind of simple interventions. Um, so um, I think a strong focus will be about kind of increase, increasing awareness, spreading, spreading the word, um, maybe contributing to conferences. We've already talked about and identified some particular conferences that we might contribute to as a group. Um, and then finally, um, we ended up having a really good um, conversation about ethics, which just kind of sprung from um, our chat about how we adapt some of our study information um, for people with dementia and, and carers. Um, and we talked about how um, there are certain kind of expectations from some kind of ethics committees about what, what is required in terms of information needed and how um, consent um, is obtained and how we can adapt um, those methods. Yeah, we, we've done a podcast on ethics before and I'm sure we could do lots and um, we'd find something new to talk about every time I think I think particularly in your field of research I think ethics uh, plays an invaluable role um, and and it's quite interesting to hear some of the feedback that that people gave today and I think there's certainly a lot of opportunity there again for having some quality researchers just share their stories their case studies about their experiences and what tips, advice that they've learned from, from getting their studies through that process um, and then what they've learned after getting ethics to what they've had to change, um, I think will be great. And dementia researchers, quite happy to share that for you. <laughs> that's, that's, that, I mean, this is, I, I, like I say, having just attended this meeting, I thought it was, it was really interesting. What was clear was everybody who came, came with fairly open minds about what to expect. I think they went away quite enthusiastic. Everybody contributed really well to suggesting what what you all might do, what you could achieve through working together. And I, I think one of the reasons why I was keen to, as I said, to record this podcast was because I think this is a fantastic example of what I'd like to see and I know others would like to see more of going on around the country, which is bringing people together with these special interests, working together and encouraging these collaborations across institutions and not just looking internally to the same, you know, the same group of colleagues that we all we all work with. Um, but also self-driven, that this isn't driven by some agenda that's been forced through from the NIHR or from one of the charities in saying, oh, we're going to have a group, um, that this is a... a just, you know, you guys just thinking, hey, wouldn't this be a good thing to do? Let's do it. And I know that's all very nice. And there are probably lots of people listening going, yeah, if only I had the time. That's how nice, how luxurious to have the time to just create a meeting. But, but it just didn't take any time, did it? We had a few, exchanged a few emails, sent a tweet. And then I booked this room, which took me about two minutes. And, you know, it was, yeah. I, We got an agenda and then. Yeah, it, it was, and it's been, you know, it's, 
you know, every time I go to a group like this and everyone's like, oh, we should do it more and I work on my own. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a great way of... So that, that's definitely a takeaway mm. message is, is, you know, don't be scared off. This won't take lots of time. Just, but just find a friend and yeah, make it happen. Exactly. I think, you know, it's just like writing until, you know, you can't sit there and think about it. You've just got to get on and do it. And I think the agenda and what you'll talk about will em- emerge from from the group yeah and as for the first meeting there didn't need to be too much of an agenda it just kind of happened organically that we already had loads to talk about yeah. and came up with these these aims so, so what next this is a good question obviously there'll be some researchers out there both in the uk and overseas mm-hmm. about half our listeners are overseas is there an opportunity for people to get involved in your specific group, assuming that they're not going to run away and set up their own? Yeah. Uh, are you inviting <laughs> inviting people to become further involved? Yeah, in your we, own? we certainly are. Yeah, we had um, so we've had people skyping in. We've had interest from Australia, um, and we really would like to do that. I think that's a, a great way of. We don't want people to be restricted and, you know, it's early days. We don't have much funding for travel and things like that. If people want to Skype in, if they want to, wherever they are, they're very welcome. And we're going to set up a mailing list and maybe a WhatsApp group and and just so that we can, yeah, keep people in contact with each other. And that's definitely the plan, isn't it? That's very good. And I I mean, obviously, there's a lot more detail we can go into because we spent quite a lot of time about talking about what you might call yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it has to have the word qualitative research, uh, dementia <laughs> in it. Innovative. Or, um, yeah, we were struggling. So sidetracked by name for a little while. Um, but I think you're going to meet a few times a year and keep things going through WhatsApp and, yeah, and online as well. Twice a year might be sort of realistic um, for people. The next one we're planning will be at UCL in London. So a busy um, working out what we'll cover in that meeting. And I think by the time you're listening to this podcast in a few days' time, um, I know the three of you, um, uh, Jemima, Sarah and Anna, are going to kind of work on a blog as well to yeah. to have yeah. something to go alongside the podcast. So, I, I, honestly, I think congratulations. This is, uh, I think, fantastic. I think it's, it's a good model for others to share. And I think we're going to pay close interest. We will try and help you with dementia research to provide a platform for you sharing your outputs because I know lots of our listeners will be interested. So we'll, we'll continue to be involved. Um, I think I'm going to wrap today's podcast up now. But, but just before I do, there's one question I'm going to ask you, which is, what would be, you're both experienced researchers now, um, both finished PhDs, and um, I'd like to ask, what would be your top, your single top tip for a, a new to the, a new to academia qualitative researcher? Go on, Jemima, you go first. Um, I think that the single top tip is to be willing to adapt and, and think of everyone as an individual that, that you're meeting with. There's very much, a, you know, this is how you do qualitative research. You set up a topic guide. It has to be worded. Each question has to be worded perfectly. It has to be open-ended. It has to be this. It has to be that. And I think, you know, just go into the room, meet the person, and get a feel for, for who they are and what's interesting. And, yeah, and then it'll just go from there. And, and once you start thinking in that way about it and that you just want to listen to them talk and hear what they say rather than, you know question answer question answer it's a much more fun and more um, productive I think so, yeah. that's very good um, Sarah 
I would have said exactly the no, same sorry. thing. <laughs> in terms That's what you, yeah. you can have the same top tip. That's okay. It doesn't have to be different. But yeah, just kind of prepare, to, but prepare to be flexible. So anything you're preparing in advance, um, bear in mind that unpredictable things will happen and to, to be flexible and you will learn as you go along. And the other thing is and to just reflect. about that as well. Yeah, and that's normal. Um, just do lots of reflection. Maybe keep a researcher diary so you can look back at how much you've learned and adapted and just be a curious person who's really interested in what other people think and you can't go far wrong. Yeah. And, and Sarah and Jemima are both available to be mentors, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, uh, Sarah and Jemima, for inviting me today um, for this fantastic group you've created and for joining us on today's podcast. Um, you can look at our website uh, for profiles on both of our panellists and Anna, who's not with us today. As I said, we'll have a blog later uh, in a few days' time sharing as well. Um, I'm sure both of you can be contacted through Do you want to tell us your Twitter name so you can be found through Twitter? What is my Twitter name? I think I'm at Dr. Mima Dooley. Yeah. I think if you search Jemima Dooley, I'm there. It'll be in the link, <laughs> yeah. the li- the link below the podcast as well. And yeah. I think mine's at S. Griffiths1966, which rather gives away how old I am. That was just England winning the World Cup, right? That was yeah, nothing to do exactly. with... <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Jemima uh, and Sarah, and thank, thank you, you to everybody for listening today. If you have anything to add on this topic, please do push your comments uh, below uh, on our website or in the uh, the feeds that you're listening to whether this is uh, iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud um, please do share on Twitter using the hashtag ECR Dementia uh, and finally please do uh, subscribe and uh, leave us your comments uh, and reviews we're always very welcome for those thank you very much and we'll look forward to seeing you again and sharing more about this group another time podcast brought to you by Dementia Researcher. Everything you need in one place. Register today at dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk.